Hi, I'm Ellen Sentier, the Heartful Badass Coach. Being badass is about being the real you, being strong, feisty, confident, knowing your own truth and walking it, feeling the fear and doing it anyway, with a heart full of joy and boundaries that really work. I learned how to be the real me through telling and writing stories, and now I'm a best-selling author as well as a badass psychotherapist and coach. I tell stories a lot in podcasts and blogs and in the coaching programs I do. Being authentic, living your own story, that's being the real badass you. And being real badass is being full of heart, caring. Because we've lived through all that shit, haven't we? So we know it in our bones and we really do truly feel compassion. So come on. Let's do some badassery. Let's change ourselves and watch the whole world change around us. Let's make our lives, our businesses and our hearts sing. Oh, hello everybody. Back again, wild inside. Well, I'm wild inside, but Robin is wild outside. And uh, we might try and show you that very slowly so that nobody gets sick in the meantime. And um, we were talking just before about the energies and people are talking a lot about the astrological energies and the astronomical energies that are happening now. Of course, all that depends on your own personal interpretation of them. So it's, I always find it a bit hard to say, oh, it's definitely like this. I mean, if somebody's retrograde or something, yeah, I can handle that. That's, that's okay. We can all get an idea of that. But further than that, I don't know. But I've been feeling mad. I feel as I've been catapulted suddenly into the 21st century. I know we've been here for 23 years, but um, it's sort of gone right in my face and lots and lots of work and quite a bit of overwhelm. How am I going to do all this? And you've been feeling that too, haven't you, Robin? And hearing it from others as well. It, it just seems to be a time when everything's going on all at once. Yeah. Both in work and personal lives for people this is what i'm hearing and certainly is what i'm experiencing that yeah everything is just gone i guess it's kind of like the time of year as well outside in the garden everything's just gone boof our grass has gone boom and our hedges have gone boom and the flowers are incredible and you know everything is just growing yeah. at some don't want to say alarming right but at some fast pace yeah and exponentially and in all directions and that's kind of what life feels like generally at the moment yeah it does for me too and I was talking to my students again on Monday and because we've just got over midsummer you know just gone through midsummer which I always love and it's always amazing except I always come out sad because it's going to get start it starts to get dark from the 25th of June and that's like oh, you know because uh, I do love the really light mornings and things like that but all of them so that was seven of us all together including me had had like unusual uh, amazing experiences over the midsummer time and they actually really reflected into our everyday lives and something happened that 
did a big change in our everyday lives. And it happened for all of us too. So I sort of set the conversation off. So come on, what's happened for you? And it, once it got rolling, every all different experiences and some that you might say were a bit mm, to start with, but have come out good. Um, it, one of my students, um, her partner suddenly drops on her, literally, uh, right before. Um, I don't think we've got much in common. And um, right out of the blue to her. And so that was sort of quite stunning. So we, we'll, it's really good when I get a group together. I'm sure it's for you, Robin. And they, they all helped and mucked in and we all helped her and carried her through and helped her to, to do her own thing, which she has. But she's come out the other side and she's got some amazing pluses out of it. And I got pluses as well. Did anything like that happen for you, Robin? I uh, can't think of a specific example at the moment, but that's so interesting, isn't it? How we might initially see something as the you know, the negative. Mm. And we are negatively wired as human beings. Mm. That's because it's part of our survival mechanism that we need to see the threats and we need to be aware of them and we need to address them. Mm. But I think we sometimes uh, haven't evolved beyond that maybe as a society we just focus on the negatives and certainly that's what I see so much of in the press and yeah. uh, we've got that constant bombardment haven't we with the news 24 7 and the mobile phones and the laptops and Facebook and all of this stuff we get a lot of negativity and a lot of fear-based stuff posted all over those and that can feel overwhelming in itself but I think for those of us who get curious and get compassionate and look into these things, it's all about perspective and perception. Yes, it is. I was just talking with a client about that earlier today and how we can start off looking at something as that's negative. What What's the positive in that? Mm. But when we explore it just with openness and curiosity and I wonder what might what's interesting you know i wonder this is interesting what's going on there we can actually come out the other side with a lot of positives and although that potentially could mean the end of a relationship it might not it might mean a whole new depth to the relationship because opposites can attract or it could mean that is something we're going to draw a line under now and now i can go off and find yeah. a partner that i share more with yeah and because i have a friend and she has met somebody now that they're married now and he uh, she and and he they just get on so beautifully and they see the world so similarly mm. and just support each other in that yeah. because sometimes if we're too similar oh, that, that doesn't yeah. allow for growth but this couple they're just they're just beautiful together and it's wonderful to see and to have role models like that to see you know that's what's possible in a relationship yeah 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 so i think my husband and i we're very different and i know a lot of couples where they're very very different but that can itself be something to spark growth yes when we're curious yeah. oh i wonder how you see things wow that's so different to me but tell me more yeah. i'd like to understand your perspective and see how it can enhance mine yeah. and vice versa yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think this this is, I mean, this is a relationship thing. I mean, I'm very different in many ways to my husband as well. 
um, which can really get us rubbing against each other. Um, but it can also mean that uh, I'd never have thought of it like that um, yeah. from both of us, which is really good. I think in um, my student's problem was that she never she never got anything like that from her partner because she's very alive and sparky and hey what about Sansa oh I hadn't thought about that have you tried this and he was sort of like oh yeah all right and <laughs> um, you know sometimes she's telling us about it say a year ago or something and you think god it's a bit like living with a wet sponge and um, oh. so I think it's probably good for both of them because she's come out of it stronger and he hasn't yet, although he dropped it. Um, he's actually gone down more. Um, but I think having had their experience together and now coming apart may well be quite a a sparky thing for them both to grow for. And change is always challenging, isn't it? Isn't it? Even if we've asked for it, even if we've made the decision, like... Damn, I the, didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Damn, is this what it actually means to, oh, right. to have no, this I thing I that I wanted? That Maybe I don't want it after all. <laughs> <laughs> or it's not what I expected. Yeah. And that happens. Whether, as I say, we've asked for it, we've initiated the change or not, it's mm. it's still challenging. Mm. But it's it's... I think being open to that and, and exploring it with curiosity and compassion for ourselves that actually I'm not finding this as easy or what I expected or any of those things. Mm -hmm. And even to use that as, as something to explore why that's interesting. Why am I not finding it as I expected? Or what is it that isn't what I expected? What is it that's different? What is it that's challenging me? Mm -hmm. How do I respond to that? Mm -hmm. Why do I respond in that way? What can I shift or how can I blow more or whatever it's actually made me think of I said you know that we just passed through midsummer and that it's a sort of sad time because everything's you know there's going to be less light every day now until midwinter and because that's a that's quite a big change for me it always affects me very deeply I come up to the last three days before we start going back again um or the sun starts going back again and I'm there, saying, oh, oh, it's over, it's over, it's over, and it's it's such a loss to me. And you know that that's my thing. That's where it is. And as you say, it makes me think. But I need, I know, because I mean, in the come October time, I shall be like, oh, I want to be in the dark. I want to be by the fire. I want to be indoors. I want to be seeing the bright January sky a bit later on, full of stars, which is so different to the sky now. And if I don't lose the, the lovely midsummer sun, I can't have that. Yeah. But I still grieve for it every year. And that's okay. Mm. Because it is a loss. It is a, a bereavement, a, a grieving sense. Yeah. And that's historical as well, because our ancestors needed that light. We don't so much. We have electricity now and we've had oil lamps and all those things. But years ago, centuries ago, millennia ago, we really, really needed that light. And it was how we told time and, you know, it had a kind of a bigger significance in 
our calendar. And I feel the same when it comes up to midsummer. There's a part inside of me that's going, oh. But I remind myself, when you were a child, you hadn't even started your summer holidays yet. No, exactly. Yeah. The best of the summer is yet to come. We hope. <laughs> it's not always guaranteed in the UK. But the, the generally warmer, drier weather comes post yes. comes during the summer holidays mm. and that's yet to come we've got another july august probably september september's been October. pretty good of the last few yeah, years yeah. that's mm. a whole three months and by then it's ready to go into october and the yeah. inner world anyway yeah, yeah. but yes it, it's that just supporting ourselves through that little hump yeah and i think to celebrate it because I'm in midsummer, the longest day. I mean, the, the celebrations that go on now, even in, you know, in the 20th, 21st century, there are lots of midsummer celebrations. And even if it's a little personal neighborhood party or barbecue or something like that, we do celebrate that loveliness. We do celebrate that longest day. And then, huh, ah, you know, and we move into the next part of, of life. But I think these changes and people notice the sun changes, you know, like midsummer, midwinter, and the two equinoxes. They probably notice them more than the other four that I I celebrate a lot. And they're so useful. I love having the eight seasons of the year. And oh, you know, come up to you come out of midwinter and Everybody just feels, oh, the beginning of January and the first couple of weeks of January, it's, it's so often we get this sort of down feeling. And then I look forward to the 1st of February, which is Imolk, which is one of our quarter days, and I think snowdrops. It's going to be snowdrops because snowdrops are 1st of February, and they'll always come around then still. And... It's like, oh, there's the first one just sticking up. And it's almost like you get a sort of hope thing happen to you. It's that sense of promise, isn't it? Which is what Imbolc is all about. Mm. Yeah. That's holding just about to burst forth. Yeah. 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 We're ready. We're down in the roots. We're down in the ground. We're working on this and then, whoa, here I come. And how to be that for me? I wish we did work with the seasons and work with the light and everything much more. I think we'd be a lot happier. I I do. I don't live in a town, though, any more than you do. So we, we're not sort of suffering traffic and street lamps all the time. But, I mean, I wake up with the dawn. And I start getting drowsy when it's dusk. I may stay up for another hour, but it's like, Right. Nearly bit. But you can feel your body going into yeah. the sleep's coming now. Yeah. Working towards that rest period. Yeah. And then in the winter, I don't wake so early. Again, I still wake with the dawn. But I'm it's like my body says, no, you know, you're gonna you're not gonna wake up till half past seven till the light comes in the window. Mm. And you get the first pre-dawn light, and then you mm. then oh yeah, yeah, okay, I'm here. And I wish we did do that much more because I think it'd be so much better for us. 
going with the natural seasons and the daylight and all the rhythms of yeah. life that we evolved alongside and they're still part of us yeah and they're still they they're still a part of our makeup and what serves us well and supports our well-being mm. as is getting out into nature as it is and you know your my internet won't work outside otherwise i would go outside because it's beautiful out there and i've just been out there um but can we just can you just slowly take us around the garden robin that's the edge of the house there and how much you can see past me yeah you can get a sense of the trees yeah and I'll see if I can turn it around. I'm not sure how much you'll see with the direction of the sun. It's like you're in a little forest glade there. Yeah, we kind of are. We're we have a, an acre and a half of woodland here. Lovely. Yeah. So that's the edge of that that you can see there. Yeah. We're right on the edge of the Brecon Beacons National Park. Oh, it's beautiful up there. It really is lovely. Yeah. We are very very fortunate where we live. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, when people do get into this, and I've known, I'm sure you do, people, are, you know, you take them out there and they go, where's the street? You know, where's the next house sort of thing? Too much and space. Where are your neighbours? <laughs> and, I mean, you can't see any other house um, from me. Well, you can with great difficulty, but you can, but you don't. And... I'm actually part, I feel really part of the world around me and the place I live in. And yeah, I've lived 25 years in London. Um, so, you know, and I did actually enjoy it then because I was a different me. But I still found that I was doing the waking up thing with the dawn. And I expect a lot of people would say, well, you know, that makes work really difficult. Because you've got to get up before it's light in order to get to work on time. And work says start at nine o'clock or whatever time it says. And, you know, when you had to go there, it... Particularly across London. <laughs> well, you don't see much of it. At least I didn't see much of it because I was on the tube. Yeah. So, you, know, you come out in the dark, you dive down a hole, sit in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> My mum always used to time. say that when she was working because she worked at a hospital. Mm. And she was, it was a big square sort of building mm. and she was right in the middle. So there were no windows because mm. she was on a, a an inside room Oof. where she was surrounded by other rooms. Mm. So no outside windows, all unnatural light. Mm. And so she would get up in the morning in the dark. She would drive to work in the dark, go into this windowless space, mm. come out in the dark in the evening, drive home in the dark. Mm. That's, that staggers me to, I mean, Hereford Hospital, which I go to two or three times a year because of my consultants there. Um, and they've got lots of inside rooms that don't have any natural windows in them. And it's sort of like, why are you building hospitals with no windows? And I don't know whether it was the same for her, but in Hereford, they've got lovely long corridors that you used to walk down that have floor to ceiling picture windows with a bit of garden outside, and all it is is a corridor. Well, we could have managed a corridor in the dark. Why aren't those windows for the patients who need yeah. the light, who need for the doctors consulting? So you're going in there for, 
you know, whether it's an ingrained toenail or oncology or something, you don't want to be sitting in the dark. I mean, my consultant has a room that has no windows. And I'm going in there talking about, you know, whatever's wrong with me or right with me or whatever. But it would be so much nicer if we had a feel that we were still connected with the outside and I wasn't sort of 200 feet underground, which I might as well be. Yeah. And you think these are people who they need their well-being and their vitality mm. more yeah. most you know most of all yeah. they are the ones with the highest need of that yeah so why are we doing things that take that deplete yeah. that yeah and you know you you have this kind of stereotypical hospital food as well oh god <laughs> should i not start on that one uh, you may please talk, talk about it and my <laughs> husband brought me my food because I yeah. literally could not eat it. So, you know, he'd come visit every day when I was in for operations and he'd bring me my food and he'd bring me my milk because all you were getting was this sort of totally watered down white white water, white liquid with no taste uh, anything else. So being me, of course, I managed to say, no, I'm having this. <laughs> but, yeah, hospital food doesn't help you. By and large, there are exceptions, mm. but generally speaking, it's not that fresh. Mm. And and it's difficult. I know there are challenges when you have to cater for a large number of people. It's always challenging because weddings are the same. Wedding food sometimes, you know, by the time it gets to the last table or it's overcooked or whatever. Mm. I've been to some great weddings. That's not to say it's always yeah. the case, but <laughs> <laughs> but when it's a large number of people it, and and you have to travel that food some distance because the wards aren't right next to the kitchen mm. it is a challenge mm. but still i'm sure there are ways to improve it and i know they've done um they've done projects on that because there have been television programs where they've explored it yeah and um who's the um, amazing cockney bloke chef cuz he's, he's i don't watch it's not Jamie Oliver or Jamie Oliver it was. It was oh, it must have been 15 years ago. And he sort of said, Okay, I'll go and work in, I don't know, um, Charing Cross Hospital for a month. You know, I'm the lead chef. I'll I'll do all the buying, I'll do the whole thing. And he did. And he did it within budget, within the hospital budget, and it was all fresh, it was all fresh food, and it was all freshly cooked. Like you say, it might take a little bit of time to get it down to the last ward. Um, but it tasted like food. It looked like food. Sadly, it's not. That sounds very simple, doesn't it? And it works on a television program and it works on that one project. But having seen the inside of some institutions, oh. by which I mean things like uh, social services. Yeah. And I know social services and uh, local authority organisations that not only do they have a budget, but they have they have to have approved suppliers because yeah. they have to have service level agreements and stuff set up so that I knew one place where if they broke a plate, there was an ASDA almost next door and the plate would a plate replacement would be 25 p 25p. But instead they had to go to the approved supplier where they had to pay pounds. Yeah. And that adds up. Mm. 
if you were replacing a whole set of crockery for whatever reason, oh, or if you were buying food, mm. but you had to go to a specific supplier, it's kind of like when you're at the airport, they can charge you what you like, because you're a captive audience, you can't go anywhere else, you're not allowed to bring your own stuff in, yeah. like on a, you can't bring your own food or drink onto a flight really, can you? No, you can't. So, if you're going to buy your water at the airport, in the shops, once you've gone through the check-in and everything, it's a lot more expensive. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because they can. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're an approved supplier, it seems it works the same way. It does. And um, possibly it'd be a really good idea if a lot more people knew this, because then we might be able to sort of say, we need to change the system. Yeah. But if only it... they won't do it unless there's a lot yeah. of support that sort of says, you're going to change it. You know, yeah, and we're not paying our council tax or whatever. That's the thing, that. isn't it? That we forget that we are the masses. We are the the bigger number compared to those in government. Yeah, and their support depends on us. Yeah. So if we were making decisions consciously mm. and in an informed way, rather than just following along with what we've always done, yeah, yeah, then maybe things could change. I think they would. I mean, I'm remembering back a long, long way, but there was a ages ago, this would be in the 1970s, um, there was a whole thing about supermarkets and factory farmed eggs. And somehow we, we all managed to get our act together and say, no, I'm not buying those eggs. And that's all it takes. Yeah. It's like with the end of, I know it hasn't completely finished, but the end of slavery mm. was a small minority. And there's a number, square root of one or something, I can't remember what it's called, but a specific number. And that's all you need. It's not that many, really. No. And then you can just get a critical mass. Yeah. And once everybody, well, it doesn't have to be everybody, but once a certain number of people say, right, I'm not buying those eggs. Yeah. I want these kind of eggs. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes me think. You were talking before about getting up with the the dawn and oh, going yeah. to bed, asking, and now talking about paying our council tax. The good life yeah. was ahead of its time in many Wasn't ways. It? And yeah, Tom Good said to Barbara, "Let's live with like the birds do. Let's get up yeah, with the lights and that. go to yes, bed with the yeah, dusk." And yeah. and then they had a whole big kerfuffle around that, which yeah, is yeah. you know the whole hilarious thing of the com comedian comedic series yeah. but also um margot led better the next door neighbor yeah. she yeah. went along to the council and said right you haven't done this with the roads so i'm not paying that part of the council tax and you haven't collected the bins so i'm not paying that part and this 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 too. yeah have that much yeah 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 and it's... and she was just so no, strong in her position yes. that the, the poor guy behind the counter was just Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't talk back against what she said because she made a very good yeah stated her position so clearly she did and somehow or another i think we've really got to get to being like margot again and sort of saying no it's not happening and no i'm not going along with it and no you can spout as much waffle at me as you like and excuses the answer is no uh, you know, I come back with the old phrase, what part of no is it you don't understand? 
But just it's that thing of assertiveness is just being I'm going to state my case and I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm just going to state it. How it is. Hmm. Yeah. And that is how it is. Yeah. And no matter how many times you tell me your story, mm. I know it's a story. Mm. I'm going to tell you my truth. Mm. Because if it's an institution, it is a story. Oh, it is. Yes. And if it's a, a board behind a desk like that poor guy was, it's something they've been told to say. Yeah. It's not them. It's the yeah. institution. Yeah. yeah, it is. And, you know, if if he doesn't say that, he's out of a job. Yeah. But, you know, okay, there's all that choice as well. You know, maybe you don't go into a job that is making you do that kind of thing, but we're not going there. But even so, it isn't the person behind the, the on the end of the phone or behind the desk who is doing it. It's the institution. And, uh, yeah, we've allowed it to be there. But we have the voice. If we look into and explore and get curious about how we can exercise that and how we actually choose to exercise that yeah. on a conscious level. Yes. And I think that is so important. And um, I, you probably have this with clients. I do. Part of what you're doing is trying to get people to this assertiveness that they can sort of say, no, I'm not buying into that. And you get, they come back and I hear it from myself if I argue with somebody. Oh, be reasonable, Ellen. And you sort of go, can you translate that? What you mean by that, please? Yeah. Because actually, it's a load of the BS. And I am being reasonable, but you don't want to go along with it. So you're trying to put me down. And again, it's this kind of learning what is going to happen because of the institution, the institution is fighting for its life. If you're arguing with it, it's going to fight you. Which I take often, or do my best to take, as a good sign. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If they are fighting against, if they're fighting back, they're they know feeling what, threatened. Yeah, they know what you're saying. Yeah. And that they're trying to run away. Because, I mean, if somebody comes to you, um, certainly if they come to me and they've got, Ellen, you know... That doesn't make any sense. I also go, no. Oh. And if it doesn't, I go, no, you're right, actually. It doesn't, does it? What should we do instead? And that's when, because I'm there in my own power, and I'm not feeling threatened because somebody's argued with me and that I might have got it wrong. Um, this is a regular occurrence, at least. I might have. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I but it's that thing that you were saying about but what what do you mean by that? And getting curious. And for me, it's often about questions, not yes saying, but but exploring. And oh, well, tell me your perspective on that because maybe you've seen something that I haven't. Yeah, yeah. I don't follow the news and I don't follow politics, so that's very possible. And what do you mean by reasonable? Yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I've got my reasons. Therefore, I'm arguing from a place of reasons. Yeah. Um, if you mean reasonable by, well, go along with me and stop arguing. No, no, I'm sorry. That's not my translation of it. And, <laughs> and also, sometimes I think when you drill down, it's not go along with them as an individual. It's going along with what society has told them that they've yeah. bought into for whatever reason. Yeah. And they are then feeling, you know, whether it's about fitting in. Yeah. And I need to be a part of this tribe 
written. So I'm going to go along with what society says. And and society can be very persuasive. So I've followed those arguments and I think that I'm just going to go along with that. I may not have questioned it, but I'm going to go along with that. Whereas I'm questioning it. Every bloody moment, yes. <laughs> that often isn't popular. No, no, no. Uh, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that too. Talking as a group I'm part of, um, we get together on Tuesday evenings and um, very much that was coming up this time that, um, so you don't agree with somebody? Well, say so, because it will spark a lot of conversation. Oh, this is a group of people who are largely up for that. Um, and yeah, because it depends on how you do it, doesn't it? it, it doesn't, does. You don't have to be confrontational. No. You say, you just, no, I don't see it that I'm way. I'm not getting that. Tell yes. me more. Um, yeah. you know, that, that, no, I'm not with that. Um, what did you mean? You know, and l let it come out. But actually be able to say, no, I'm not getting it. No, I don't buy that. What's what's the point of that or whatever? Um, and being it, the other person being able to say, well, I'm seeing it like this. And as you said, something new comes up. Mm. Um, and if it's with a group of people who are used to questioning, it's lovely because they very often, they all go, hey, actually, we need to do something completely different from what any of us have said. Yes, we need to go <laughs> off on a completely different tangent. <laughs> Absolutely. Da, 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 da. <laughs> but I'm also, it's, 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 it's how we question and, and uh, sometimes those why questions can come across as quite confrontational. Yeah. So finding just gentle ways to oh that's really interesting can you tell me more about that mm. or can you explain your perspective on that a bit more because i'm just not quite clear or sometimes the what saying what some instead of the why of rephrasing your sentence so you're saying what was that about what happened there what 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 did you feel when you said that what did you what, what were you meaning because i'm not getting it and the what isn't as confrontative there's something about why it's partly the tone, um, you know, why did you do that? And I mean, who hasn't been a child? Why did you do that, Ellen? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shrink. <laughs> and um, I think we need to, like, consider that. And even instead of why did you do that, something like, well, what was your intention? Can you tell me a little bit more about that? What were you aiming for when, when you did that? Because when we can understand somebody's intention, we can see perhaps that there are similarities between us, yeah. just they approached it differently. Their intention may have been very much the same yeah. or very similar. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that is so important, but it requires to get anybody to come out of their comfort zone, out of their shell, is really hard work, isn't it? Because what's out there? Is it you back to the, you know, What's out there? Am I safe? Are there any tigers in the trees? You know, and that's where, for me, it comes back to the safety, which is where being curious instead of confrontational can really help. Yeah, yeah. How can we help that person to feel safe with us, safe enough with us, mm. to share what their intention actually was, mm. what has impacted on them, and what's made them think that way? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Is it because they don't feel safe? Yeah. Is it because they want to fit in? Is it because 
that's what they've been told. Do they actually agree with it? Or and do they dare not not dare to say that they don't? Yeah. And sure maybe they do, and that's fine. You just reminded me of a lovely, funny thing that happened um, on the weekend. Um, it's, it's warm. We've got the door open and, you know, hear the birds, the cat runs in and out. And we've got three, mummy squirrel had three babies this year. And they're, they're so cute. They're about half her size, but they're very beautiful. They're totally curious. And they're not very frightened of anything and we don't we don't chase them or do anything to them anyway so they shouldn't get there but i just came out the door yesterday and one of them actually ran over my foot i didn't even see it was there so it rushed out of bushes and ran over my foot and i didn't fall over thank god but what happened on the weekend was um one of the baby squirrels they were chasing around outside and one of them ran in through the front door into the front room and it's like oh there's me sort of going oh there's a squirrel in heck we don't want it upstairs you know we shut the doors quickly and there's a squirrel going and he stopped and the cat was in the room too mm, that was what i was worried about yeah well this was really interesting because my cat was a rescue and she was very very nervous but she's been with us for nearly four years now and she's this is my place this is it this is i'm okay here you know this is fine and so she jumped down off the chair where she was asleep and the squirrel had stopped. And she did this. And the squirrel. And then put his nose too. And eventually the two of them touched noses. And they were still for 10 or 15 seconds. And then the squirrel went and out the door again. <laughs> But she didn't go for him. And, you know, she wasn't hungry. He wasn't threatening her in any way. He was just, what the hell are you doing in my room? You don't come to my room normally. And, and the squirrel was going, where the hell am I? Where the hell am I? <laughs> and they actually, because baby squirrel hasn't learned to be afraid of people. And cat is cats, evidently. <laughs> no, because she does, she she will chase them every now and again, but it's playful. She's not really after them. And um touch of nose. Uh yeah, you two are both secure in your in your environment where you are. You're content. And it's so lovely when we see see animals being very natural about mm. that. Mm. And quite often you'll see that cats do that to horses yes. if there's a cat on a stable yard and you think that horse the size of the horse compared to the size of the cat yeah. and we had a dog that was staying with us last week because its owner was away in Ireland for the week and he came up to the fields with me and met my horses and he was doing that <laughs> you know you, you big thing but I'd love to say hello to you because he's just a big soppy gorgeous chocolate lab and the horse was doing the same back. Yeah. Who are you? And I haven't seen you before. And what are you doing in my field? Yes. And yeah, yeah. Yes. And it's interesting because the dog that lives here with us, she's much higher energy. Mm. And the horses are very alert when mm. she's around. Mm. Whereas when this other dog was around, they were kind of like, yeah. you're fine. You're welcome. You're not doing anything that we feel is you know, not necessarily 
threatening or challenging, but just what well, we have to be, because your energy is high, our energy is high. Exactly. But because his energy was low and gentle mm. and he was very grounded, so were they. Yeah, yeah. And that happens. And I mean, I know you have this with animals and I do too. And, you, you know, you've got a, <laughs> you want to take the dog to the vet or something and um, he or she doesn't like it. And you're worrying because the animal needs to go to the vet, um, but you mustn't show that. So you can end up with this tension inside you, which is actually worse. And you have to, if you can manage to do, before you even start, it can mean a bit of a process. I have to do this with the cat. So I'll drop myself right down. And then I can go along and I can touch. She doesn't like being picked up either. I can go along and get her. And I am so far down that it, she's in the crate before she's realized what's actually happening. And uh, if I get it wrong, you know, we've had it for the day. <laughs> There's no cat. She's just disappeared. It's a famous thing amongst vets. They're phoning up, people phoning up saying, sorry, I have to cancel my appointment because the cat's disappeared. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, we know that. Yeah. Used to that one. <laughs> it is indeed. But it is very much this thing. I've helped people, you know, and they, oh, I can't make my dog do anything I want. I said, well, if you stop trying to make it, it'd be a good start. But let's leave that one. And it's a lot that they're worrying, they're fussing, they're on it all the time. And it's like, come down, come down, come down. There is no time pressure. There is no, it doesn't matter if they don't do it. Yeah. No. hold an intention hold an, an image of what you'd like them to do and invite them to do it and make it fun yeah and also just be oozing i love you this is absolutely gorgeous i love you hey how about we do so and so would you fancy that you know yeah and you're just calm because you're calm inside and you know not like you know there you are worrying will i be able to get the cat will i be able to catch the cat will i be able to put the cat in the crate whatever um you're just like if I'm not, I'm not. And yeah. I'm going to be right. Does it really matter at the end of the day? Usually it doesn't. And if it does, probably the cat's in no position to run away anyway. So you're okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it works with horses. I mean, we do it with um, when people come on retreat and Kim and I take them to the horses. And it's just watching them as they suddenly realize that they haven't got to go up and stroke the animal and talk to it once. They just stand. And they just just stand still. And don't call the horse, let the horse come to you. And it might take five minutes, but they do. And then you can see the energy dropping out of them. It's really lovely, isn't it? Seeing that when somebody or an animal mm. just lets go of the tension, let's go of the let's go of the need. Yeah. And instead just allows invites waits to see what will happen yeah yeah it's a it's a a thing we probably all could learn we all have it within us mm. it's just whether we've had the environment that has enabled us to express it been encouraged to express it or sometimes been encouraged to shut it down particularly around that kind of sense of connection with animals because animals don't talk animals don't have senses yeah. they don't have emotions they don't have feelings 
you know, this is a, you know, an automaton, a clockwork cat that you, you don't even have to wind up. But there is a sense of that being quite woo-woo. And certainly my friend that I was talking about earlier mm. with her husband, she was somebody who as a child communicated with animals very naturally mm. and thought that everybody did it. Yes. But yeah. then over time and people reacting to her ability to do it, she realized that wasn't the case mm. and that it was frowned upon mm. yeah. and seen as being weird and even threatening and scary. Mm. So she learned how to turn it off. Yes. And she then realized this was impacting on her well-being. So she went on a journey to reconnect with it, which is what she's done. And now she's an amazing artist and she co-creates with the animal themselves. Yeah. Has amazing work. Yeah. But it's so interesting, isn't it? And we were talking about birds earlier, yes, we briefly were. before we went live as well. So in relation to that, we had a bit of an incident here this morning because a bird flew into the window of the door that was right next to me. And I heard this bang. It wasn't too loud. Bang and then thud. Ah. So I very nervously, I didn't know what I was going to find, opened the door mm. and there was this bird lying, not looking too healthy at all. Mm. So I scooped it up. It was a beautiful great tit. And it was just kind of lying in my hands. Mm. And then, and it was sort of opening and closing its beak and opening and closing its eyes on alternate sides. They weren't working together. They were working on alternate sides. So I just sat there and held this bird and shared love with it and sent healing to it. And over about 15 minutes, it very gradually started to kind of put itself back together. Mm. So it kind of straightened itself up a bit and its wings were still hanging slightly. So it puts it put its wings on its back where they're designed to go. And then it kind of took a bit longer doing nothing. And then it put its head up. And it kind of was doing these little kind of twitches or something was like a, a buzz went through yeah. its body. Yeah. And then it turned its head and looked up at me and just stared at me for a, a good long period of time. And then just flew away. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just because I had concussion last year. I can't remember if I mentioned it here before, but the horse one of the horses knocked me over and I ended up having to go for a CT scan and all the rest of it. And I remembered what that was like. So I thought, well, you poor little thing. Yeah. You've obviously just given yourself quite a bash against that window. Mm. I know what you're feeling when you can't quite get your head back together again and you just need a moment mm. and you just have to check yourself through and realign all of your, you know, your connections, rewiring or whatever you're doing. And that's fine. Just take whatever time you need. Yeah. And I was just sitting, looking in awe at this beautiful little bird because I could see all the little filaments of its wings. And oh, I was just, oh, you're so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and then off it went. And just how it sat there with no, it didn't seem to be afraid. It wasn't shaking. Mm -hmm. And how it turned and looked at me. And just seemed to feel safe and how I could feel its energy change yes. from being a bit kind of, oh, I'm out of it, I'm well out of it, to mm, I'm coming back together, I'm coming back into the present moment, I'm beginning to get my head back, remember the balance. Yes. And then, oh, you're up there and I'm down here and, oh, okay. And off it went. 
Yeah, yeah. We get the same thing. So we've got big windows in the living room. And um, particularly with the youngsters um, who are sort of like getting their acts together about where anything is. And <laughs> yeah. or they're having a chase round or something like that. Wham! And um, it, going out, there's I've I've had this experience too. You pick up this little bird who is actually not horrendously injured. You know, is going to live, and they just sit there, and you're you're just holding them, and you get the chance to look at them and feel them. And one thing always does me is the the feel of the little claws against you. Yes. Tiny little feet. And Hi. for me, it was the little eyes. Yeah. Because they're so... I could see as he began to come round and his eyes were brighter and clearer and you could see that he was seeing. He wasn't a bit... Yeah. And how he looked at me and just that tiny little eyelid. Because <laughs> it was so, so small. And you think, how can something be that small? Yeah. Yeah, it's even more so if you actually get a, a blue tit or a wren, because I mean they're mm. tinier. Yeah, and we to... have a wren that lives here, and he comes up and down the rail of the the um, fence here, and we have lots of little blue tits, and they come for, to feed. Yeah, and they they are the bravest. They'll come first. Yes, tiny little thing. <laughs> I've seen them chase off a great tit or a robin or something, and robins can be quite fierce. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> you know, it's this tiny little thing that comes in. Mind you, the, the best one was the wrens that we had was in previous house down in Hereford and um, had two ginger cats, one small, literally like that, and one Maine Coon. The little one was his sister, so they weren't pure because she was short-haired, but she had exactly the same colouring and markings and everything. And she was bright as a button. And um, he was sometimes a little bit, you know, one sandwich short of a picnic. And um, <laughs> he did some amazing things. But he would go up and down the hedge patrolling for things. And we had great big hedges like you. And there was this one little wren. And you know how they often nest quite low in the hedge? And he was coming near her her nest. It was like, oh, yeah. And this little thing, and they're only this big. And this is a living great Maine Coon. And meow zonk through him. Meow zonk. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Mum, 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 mum. I'm being done, Bon. <laughs> <laughs> and she's so brave. Um, he wouldn't probably have had a. He's more likely to have her if she was bouncing around in front of him because he'd sort of think that perhaps he should. But uh, she was yeah. so brave because yeah. no, I don't care what she must. He must have been fifty times as big as her, at least in weight and mass as well. Because yeah. they're so light, aren't they, little birds? Well, you hardly know you've got them because I mean hollow bones and everything as well. Yeah, but no, they're wonderful. We've got a lot of babies around now, um, particularly the sparrows. They they fledged early, and they're just amazing. And they're completely nuts. <laughs> I went into our barn yesterday and I discovered that we have a couple of nests there. Those beautifully constructed mud nests. Yeah. And 
I hadn't noticed. I'd seen the bird go in and out, the parent go in and out, but hadn't noticed any activity from chicks or anything. And then I looked up and there are all these little heads with their beaks. You know the way the yellow beak, you just see this big gig. Yeah. yeah. And the little row, little row of beaks, sort of little row of thorns yes. along the edge of the nest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just sitting with their heads. And then every so often they'll go like uh, one of those Muppety things. Just Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we've got that in the in um one of my barns, which is my gardening shed. And last year we had four swallow nests in there. And we've got two, definitely. We may have all four. We're trying to count them as a place we can sit opposite and watch birds going in and out and seeing what's happened. So we knew there was at least two nests in there. And also um I put a wheelbarrow for stuff underneath and of course it's completely covered in swallow poo <laughs> well that was how i discovered them because that's where i had some hay for the horses and i thought it's right. top in the dark you yeah. know the, the shadow there wasn't a light on yeah. in the barn i thought what's all oh i know what that is <laughs> i know where that came from yeah yeah i must put my i've got a trail cam and um, I must I put it up there last year and got some lovely shots and I must put it up in there again and see if I can get some more from there because there's a couple of places I can tie it which they can it can go straight to the nest and see the bird going in coming out and swooping around and it, that's so amazing magical oh yeah 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 well how are we doing is that a place to End I think it time. I think it has drawn to a natural ending point. I think it has. So swallow summer to you all, which is an old one. It's lovely, isn't it? And yeah. yeah, we are going into the very height of summer. So we'll hope that it doesn't get too hot, but that we have lots of nice weather. Yes. Which would be good. Yeah. So we'll see you next month. Yes. See you next month. Oh, hey, I hope you enjoyed that. Hope it pulled out some new ideas and new ways of looking at life, the universe and everything. And I'd love to know your comments, so do send them to me. Doing and being badassery is fun. It makes your heart sing. And that helps everyone. And it helps you put the soul back in your life and in your business. Business, when it's really working, is fun full of badass reality and makes your heart sing. So let's stick all those rubbish old work ideas of toil and drudgery in the compost caddy. Let's recycle them into something fun and useful. That's what badassery is about, having fun and being useful. If you'd like more, get on my website, www.ellensentier.com, sign up for my newsletters and check out my lives and vlogs. Let's get to know each other. Let's get together, have fun, grow your life, and make your heart sing. Let's be real. Come on, let's light our fires.